0: This is New York Game Day, presented by Bet Three Six Five. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet Three Six Five. Sloman's low prices, zero sacrifices. For a hundred years, Sloman's has been a staple in home comfort. Call one eight six six Oil Deal and by Nissan. You deserve a car that thrills you, and Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store. At Nissan.com today.
1: Welcome back. Hour two of New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks, Amani Toomer, and Mike Tannenbaum. And joining us is Jordan Renan, who always does a phenomenal job covering the Giants for ESPN. Uh, So, Jordan, welcome in. First things first, uh, Giants getting ready to see, uh, you know, all the things that they're going to have to juggle and deal with in this offseason. Daniel Jones obviously being one of them. The fact that, you know, he's dealing with two neck injuries, a torn ACL. Chances are he won't be ready for week one. What do you think they do in regard to uh, getting that that number two quarterback? Is it Tyrod Taylor? Is it is it, you know, Tommy Cutlets or? You know, are you anticipating both of them to be here, one of them? And also the fact that they have the number six pick in this year's NFL draft. Are they kicking the can around about potentially getting a quarterback uh, that high up?
2: First, let's start with the premise. I mean, this isn't just you. I hear it a lot, that he probably won't be ready for week one. I'm not quite sure why people keep thinking that. He had the surgery on Thanksgiving Day, right? Which stands out because with surgery on Thanksgiving Day. And I was looking at all the quarterbacks in the past who, you know, how long it's taken them to come back. And it's almost 10 months, like a full 10 months before, like, the opener. Almost every quarterback who's had that surgery has been back in less, you know, in nine months or less. So I don't think that's actually necessarily true. And that obviously changes the situation. I do think that the likelihood is he is ready for week one more than it is the opposite. Of course, you know, he. he, have a step back and other stuff and it can go the other way. But I think the likelihood is he will be ready. Uh, you know, i be practicing probably by the beginning of training camp and then could be ready for contact and stuff by the game you know, sometime in August based on, you know, the past history of other guys who other quarterbacks who have suffered ACL injuries. So start there. And then you say, okay, uh, they're obviously committed to him, but he has that injury history. So to me, I think that's what Joe Shane looks like. Can I really build a team around Daniel Jones? I think they strongly consider, and I'm talking about because of the injury history, that they strongly consider taking a quarterback in the draft, Uh, whether it's with their first pick, whether maybe it's moving up into the back end of the first round or in the the second round. I, I do think that they look to take a quarterback high in this draft. And I guess you need a contingency plan and a veteran as well. Uh, Tyron Taylor's tough because if Tyron Taylor and Daniel Jones together it's two injury return guys so and and then uh, I think Tommy DeVito's sort of in that number three spot for now and you know they want to have two guys ahead of him um, whether it's a quarterback in the draft whether it's a quarterback in free agency uh, something that they could pencil in and think that okay this is a starting caliber quarterback in some way shape or form so I think that's the likelihood of how they go about it, but who is available as the number six pick? Can they move up? I think that is the, is where you start when you talk about the Giants quarterback position.
3: So uh, we we talked – there's a lot of talk about how Wink met Martindale departed, you know, the whole mm-hmm. argument, the blow-up, the brouhaha. But, you know, should we care about how, the, you know, this, this happened or is this – this, could this be something that becomes uh, – one of the reasons, uh, one of the things that, uh, that Brian Dable needs to uh, learn from and try to create a better team when you have your better, you know, a team of coaches when, when this type of thing happens, um, you know, where you, you you got people just walking out of the building and resigning.
1: Well, really quick before did, before you answer before yeah, I, you answer that question, if you can share with us what you know, like because there's so many stories going around, like you know factually, what do you know? What happened, Jordan?
2: Well, the two of them didn't get along well. I mean, Blink was very unhappy. He didn't want to come back, and so uh, you know there were things during the year where, and here's why, and this goes into Amani's question. You say, you know, do we just chalk it up say, okay, he's gone? To me, it's a red flag, and we have to say, all right, this is why it concerns me, because it's not just Wink Martindale that was unhappy. There's multiple coaches on the staff that are unhappy, right, who didn't like the way that um, the, the, that Brian Dable was uh, working with them, talking with them, uh, the way he treated their coaches, some of the things that went on behind the scenes. And so the fact that it's not just Wink Martindale, right, I think you could probably make the fair statement that all three of the coordinators in some way kind of wanted to leave. But when that's the case, it's like, okay, well, what's going on here? And why is that? Because, and now Brian Dable, like you said, he has to figure out, okay, how do I fix this? And it's not just him yelling at guys on the sidelines. It's just the way he treats them. It's the way he goes about his business. It's the program that he runs over there from top to bottom. You know, okay so 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 really from... quick
1: so so gi- so give me an example yeah. give me an example what's something that he does?
2: I think it's everything from all right how he addresses them, how he goes about their business how he you know focuses on the offense I think that's something that that really bothered a lot of the people on the defensive side I'll, I'll everything always seems to be having a, have an agenda for his offense and that was that was what they thought was going on and that you know, everything was out to try to make him look good. And look, I don't know. Right, right, there's probably, there's one side of the story, and then there's Ryan Dable's side of the story. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Uh But when that's the case, and multiple people think that way, and we're not just talking about, you know, a few people here or there, I think that's something that you should be concerned about long-term with him. And he has to to look in the mirror and say, all right, how do I make sure that this isn't the case?
1: so so really, so really quick, I, I want to bring Mike Tannenbaum in here. Mike, there are exit meetings, me- exit interviews that take place. So, you know, is, is this like if, if this was something that was going on under your watch and now you've got Wink who wants out, you've got other coaches that aren't happy and they're coming to you in their exit interview and they're complaining about Brian Table. What do you do with that?
4: Yeah, well, there's a more, like, fundamental, like, management tenet, like, that I would go back to the Don Martindale situation, which is if someone gets let go, a player, a coach, or whomever, um, and they're surprised, um, then you, you haven't done a good enough job as a manager giving them actionable feedback. You know, like, the good way to do is to bring a player in and say, hey, like, look, we have to work on X and Y, your conditioning, you know, your technique, whatever it is, because this is a really difficult conversation for us to have, but we're having this conversation to avoid the next conversation, which neither you nor I want to have, which is even worse. And those are the conversations that Brian Dayball should have been having on even if it's necessary a daily basis with Don Marndale. Like, here's the expectations. I'm the head coach. You know, I want more of a mix of coverages, whatever it may be. Um, and this is how we're going to attack this week's opponent. And those are conversations that you have to have. You have to have rugged authentic conversations that are attacking the problems and not the people and that's how you avoid having situations where people are surprised or you also give them a form to say hey this is your opportunity not not passive aggressive earnest authentic conversations eye to eye to say what don't you like about what we're doing and Those conversations by great leaders happen every single day in the NFL. They're not reported, they're not blogged, they're not tweeted, but those are problem-solving conversations that allow programs to grow, develop, have disagreements, have problems solved behind closed doors, and you just hope as a leader, if those things didn't happen from Brian Dayball, he's getting the counsel from somebody so he could change, evolve as a leader. And I can tell you, like, I've spent a lot of time with guys like Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick. Bill Parcells will tell you, you know, like his first year, he was almost fired. The GM of the Giants tried to hire hiring Schnellenberger. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to pivot. I'm not going to be liked. I'm going to hold people accountable. And the rest is, you know, history. Went on to a Hall of Fame career. And being the head coach of an NFL team is very difficult, guys. Like, I've been around four of them on a daily basis. It's hard but having these conversations is necessary to build a program that's sustainable and authentic.
1: So with I that being said again, Jordan of... Renan joining us here oh. on 98.70 SPN. So with Jordan, with, with this conversation, two, two part question here. Number one, is Brian Dable's job safe? Uh, number two, who do you think they bring in to replace Wink as the DC?
2: Yeah, I do think his job is, is safe. I don't see them pivoting and moving on at this point, right? Um remember. John Marrick kept saying over and over about how you know we don't want to keep turning things over, screwed up Daniel Jones, you know, left and right, right. You know how many times over? We just you know new coordinator, new coordinator, new system, new coach, and so they're looking to have stability and they had success last year. Certainly, they had a bad year this year, but now it's like okay, now we, uh, we now Brian Dable has to put together re re a staff basically. He needs a special teams coordinator. He needs a defensive defensive coordinator, right? He needs a pretty much a whole new defensive staff. Uh, there's talk about Mike Kafka not really wanting to be back. I think he might be back just if he doesn't get a head coaching job because they don't want to turn over all three coordinators, and is that really the right reason for someone to be back? So, um, yeah, the defensive coordinator spot is interesting because – It's still a desirable job, but it's not like big Fangio's out there or Wink Martindale's out there, and they're, you know, like in the years past where the Giants now become a super desirable or, you know, position. Because if you're talking about the best jobs out there, now Brian Dable's on the hot seat, right? Not on the hot seat, but there's a spotlight on him moving forward. It's not where, okay, we're building something from the start and everything's in great shape, or you're taking over this great program and – there's pressure on them in year three. They have to show improvement and get better, but at the same time, they kind of have to start over now on defense because there is no somebody out there who's going to run the same exact defense as Wink. So uh, it creates quite the dilemma. We haven't really gotten a full list, I don't think, of candidates out there. Um, Denard Wilson, someone from the Ravens, uh, that's an option. Uh, Jerome Henderson is perhaps an internal option, maybe the best way to... He thinks status quo to some degree, even though he probably will run the defense differently and and change things up, but at least it'll be some of the same verbiage and stuff. So um, it'll be interesting to see where we move forward here. I don't don't really have a great gauge right now on what they're thinking, because I think the playoffs has something to do with it and the way that the interviews this year are going, uh, because the playoff teams kind of have been off limits, right, until... Uh, until the not, end of this not, weekend, not, at least. Yeah, not not not
4: the, not the teams with the bye. So Baltimore and San Francisco; those, those coaches have been integrating right. all week.
2: And that's why we got Denard Wilson. But we, and I still think that's why I still think there's teams that are playing this week that we don't know that there'll be some options. Eric Washington from the Bills is someone that I'm keeping an eye on for sure.
3: Yeah, it just seems like uh, you know Brian Dayball has done such a great job in in in. Um, in turning around the program temporarily, It looks like Joe uh, Sheehan is you know getting some more talent in there. You're starting to see towards the end of this year, but you know y- you have to, to to learning how to be a head coach is is to kind of it's more of a a leadership role and less X's and O's. And it just seems like this is kind of the first you know stumble because you know in in Brian Dable's. Um, you know, leadership kind of thing because just like um, t- uh, just like uh, Mike Tannenbaum said, you have to be able to have these tough conversations to make sure that everybody's on the same page daily and to let this stuff, the, this uh, bad uh, intentions linger for such a long time to the point where now uh, Wink Martindale, who's had success, you're losing talent off of your, your coaching staff. Um, that's something that needs to be addressed and – you know, and also, when, when you are hiring a head coach, you're not just hiring the head coach, you're hiring his staff and the talent that he can get around you. Um, th- th- this is, is this a bigger deal than, than, uh, than people are making it out to be in terms of the tenure that, uh, that, that Brian Dable could possibly have?
2: I do think it's a critical point in Dable's tenure, kind of like Mike said with Bill Parcells after that first year. Uh, Tom Coughlin uh, entering 2007, right? He actually, if you think back, and my buddy Gary was listening to me one day and he mentioned this to me, Tom Coughlin turned over three coordinators before that 2007 season. That's true. Um, I am mean, believe yeah. they changed the, de- the offensive, defensive yeah. coordinator, and the special teams coordinator retired at the time. Mm-hmm.
4: You, know, you know what's interesting about that, though, is uh, um, we're in a different era. You know, like coaches – First-time head coaches just don't get that sort of equity. Like, I'll give you an exception. Like, Chicago, you know, like, they moved on from Luke Getze. They fired Alan Williams. But Iber Flew survived because he took over play calling and obviously did well down the stretch. But um, I think in this day and age, Jordan, like, to me, like, you're not going to see a, a first-time head coach be able to change all three coordinators and survive. I just think we're in a different era.
1: By the way, the Jordan yeah, no, Renown- I agree. but it, which.
2: Which makes this let me bring up one quick thing, Anita. Mm-hmm, is that mm-hmm. all right? What's the best way for Brian Dable to get time moving forward right now? Because the pressure's on now in year three, especially if you turn over two coordinators, ends up being three. The best way to buy some time is if you draft a quarterback, because like Man. I said before, John Mara is not going to want well, to be turning things over. Get a new quarterback, that one year, uh, and then change system and scheme and coach right underneath them right away. So
4: you're, you're, that you're is way the to buy, yeah, buy time. Yeah, the best way to buy time is win games. Like <laughs> win games. That, that's the best way to buy time. I was gonna say
3: maybe back in the day I'll, that I'll, used you to, you, be, you, firing, to, to be, but now they're hiring, they're hiring we be like
2: a, a Super Bowl contender though next year. That's the yeah. problem.
3: But I mean, it used and, to be that used to be a, a thing. You could get a rookie quarterback and you get a couple years. Now they don't even. That's not even a, a thing anymore. You get a rookie quarterback, or oh, you can't coach the rookie. You got to get going. You know. So it's 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 a like 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 Mike said. It's a different era now.
1: All right, guys, we're not sitting around a local watering hole, sipping on some beer. Uh, This (laughs) is a radio show. We do have a time restraint. Uh, Jordan Renan, report brought to you by Sandstone Auto Mall. Wow. 10 top we brands. Over 2,000 wow. vehicles. Ooh. One place. Okay, Sansone mommy. Auto Mall in Woodbridge. <laughs> so. um, make your best deal right now at Sansone Auto Mall. Tell them Bart Scott sent you. Wow. Take an extra $1,000 off your best deal. Call 1 800 Sansone today. Last one for you. Got to make it quick, Jordan. Uh, what can Giants fans expect in the next week? To, uh, you know, what's what's getting getting a defensive coordinator? What do you think they do with Saquon? Like, what lay the, lay the land the next few weeks what's coming
2: up yeah f- filling out the staff is the number one priority right now obviously you know a guy like Leslie Frazier I didn't mention him as the defensive coordinator. whether he gets a head coaching job that depends You know, even a guy like Mike McDonald from Baltimore whether he gets the co- coaching job and then Denard Wilson steps in there all these things so there's a lot of moving parts in the next few weeks the so stuff happens at the senior bowl later this month and then I think yeah the personnel decisions with uh Saquon Barkley is probably up next but that doesn't need to happen until a little later down the line, and we'll get into more about the the quarterback decision in the draft. Again, a lot of that stuff will be figured out after the senior bowl, after the combine, after the Giants complete their full evaluation on these guys. I think that's kind
4: of what what we're going to be monitoring
1: Look, my dog's even upset with me. We've gone past our break. Sorry, got to let you go. Uh, He is Jordan By the way, Jordan,
4: Anita was talking about you, not me or Imani, just for the record.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jordan, appreciate your time as always, my friend.
3: Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be.
0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7.
5: Robert and I, after a series of discussions, have mutually agreed to part ways. For me, this is a day of gratitude and celebration. Start with Robert and his family. It's great. So much thanks for the opportunity to be a coach here for 24 years. Uh, It's an amazing opportunity. Received tremendous support. We had a vision of building a winner, building a championship football team here. And that's exceeded my wildest dreams and expectations. The amount of success that we were able to achieve together, you know, through a lot of hard work and, you know, the contributions of so many people. So I'm very proud of that. And always have those great memories. I'll carry with those, those with me the rest of my
1: life. That's Bill Belichick meeting with the media. His time in, uh, in Boston with the Patriots no longer. Around the League brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Um, when it's game time, it's telly time. Telemordew, the original triple distilled, triple blended, triple cast, mature to Irish whiskey. Be sure to grab a telemore dew or try the brand new Telemordew honey. Ooh, yummy. Glasses up to enjoy Telemordew responsibly. Mike, let's start with you. No surprise, right? Like a lot of us were anticipating that this would be the final year for Bill Belichick in New England. Yes.
4: Yeah, and what's really interesting now is if the three of us were running a team you know, we're always looking at how do we improve our franchise? And it's interesting, you know, it could be the video director, it could be a trainer, it could be the head coach, but now you say to yourself, if the three of us were running a team that was, you know, average this year or below average for that matter, and now all of a sudden Bill Belichick's available, you have to juxtapose your current coaching situation and say like, wow, Bill Belichick is available. We don't have to give up anything to go get him. You know, is that something we should look at? And um, I think it's going to change the coaching carousel quite a bit.
1: Well, here here are the teams that um, his name has been associated with. The Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers, um, you know, um, outside of that, you know, what do you think some of the other teams are out there that have good solid coaches right now but you know obviously as I mentioned you know is Mike McCarthy concerned if the Dallas Cowboys lose today to the Green Bay Packers um, is Dallas a team an organization with Jerry Jones that would consider getting rid of McCarthy and bringing in Bill Belichick what are some of the other teams out there that have solid coaches right now that you think would consider improving with Bill Belichick Mike
4: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you could look at, you know, countless organizations. I mean, look, you would never go with the Jets, right? But, like, if you're running the Jets and you could have their current head coach or you can have Bill Belichick, who would you rather have, right? Um, You could just look around the league. I mean, there's countless examples. I mean, the two that that come to mind, Alex Smith brought this up on ESPN yesterday, and I think it bears repeating because it's such a good point. If you're Josh Harris or if you're – Um, David Tepper, and you're a new owner in the NFL, and you could hire Bill Belichick? Are you kidding me? Like, and bring his 40 years of experience on how to hire people, how to organize a staff, how to organize a draft. Um, I think it's an absolute no-brainer for either of those two organizations to say, like, come on in, Bill. Um, And by the way, the new GM of the commanders is Adam Peters, and Adam Peters and Bill Belichick worked together before New England. So, um, I'd be hard-pressed not to think that there's other organizations out there that, again, were maybe you know disappointed with the results of this season, and are now saying like, "Wow, it's Bill Belichick. We got to really look at this."
1: Um, Amani, let me ask you this: um, Do you feel that Bill Belichick's in his coaching style uh, is, and again, with all due respect, uh, immense success? But do you feel that that can he can come in and still have success in this day and age in the NFL with his coaching style?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's had success in, in, the, in, modern, in the modern NFL. Like, it's not like, you know, he's had success in multiple, multiple different iterations of the NFL with the rules and the, the types of players. He's been able to adjust. And I, one thing that I love about Bill Belichick is he doesn't have a system. His system is whatever he has, and how he can make that system work with the talent of the players that he had. Like Teddy, uh, Teddy Bruschi had a great analogy of who Tom, who, um, excuse me, who Bill Belichick was. He says he takes a towel and he rings out all the athletic ability of every players he player he has, and he does things that players are strong with, so they can highlight their strength as opposed to trying to make a player do something that he can't do and you know he's built a sustainable winner for a long period of time that that just doesn't happen in the nfl so my place that i feel like he would do the best would be uh the jets of la would be the 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 chargers you know they have a great quarterback you know they're playing in uh, a a a a stadium that they're sharing they're the least favorite team in l in la and i feel like If Bill Belichick goes to the Chargers, the Chargers organization gets a leg up. People are going to want to see what if he can do it again. People are going to want to see how he can help uh, the young quarterback that they have there who's very talented and turn the the Chargers from being a team that's traditionally underperforms and makes them into a a certified champion because they can get the talent. That's not the problem with the San Diego Chargers. They just, the L.A. Chargers, excuse me, they find a way to have the better team and lose football games. And a lot of that had to do with Brandon Staley, but I feel like if you have a Bill Belichick, that team could be very, very, very competitive very quickly.
1: We've got some callers. Ken and Ira, hang tight. We get back. We'll get to you. 800-919-3776. Besides Bill Belichick, a number of coaches uh, out there. Dan Quinn, uh, a lot of a lot of intrigue with him. Uh, Vrabel is out there as well. Um, and who knows what's going to happen with Mike Tomlin. Uh, Pete Carroll, no longer head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, but now is going to be working in the front office. So we'll dive into all this, get you up to speed on uh, what, what, is, what has transpired this week, and we'll get your calls next right here on 90.7 ESPN.
6: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: For are listening to Anita Marks on 98.7. ESPN.
1: Uh, this portion of the show brought to you by Bet365, whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Uh, let's go to our phone calls. Uh, let's go to Ken in Queens. Ken, welcome in.
2: How are you doing today? Thank you for uh, having me on your call. Thank you. Well, the first, the answer to your topic about Belichick, he's not going to any team that doesn't have a good quarterback, so that's one thing we have to put at the top of the list. Regardless of management, he knows the hardest position to do is a quarterback. But getting back to the NFL, shame on them for switching things over to Peacock yesterday. That was a shame. This is going back to the rich versus the poor, switching over the way they did. That wasn't really right. It really wasn't at all. I hope they lose a lot of viewers behind that. And I'm well, here, here's, here's the thing
1: here's the thing, Ken, and you know, I, I understand your um your disappointment. Thanks for the phone call. And Mike, from what I understand Okay. Mike uh, Amani's back. Okay. Fantastic. I'm here. Uh, so, so from what I understand, NBC paid. So, so the NFL put that game up for bid. NBC quote unquote peacock paid over what? ten ten million 10 million dollars for that game alone. Right. Yeah.
4: I think it was, it was $110 million and the calculus is... Oh, I'm sorry.
1: I was off by $100 million. $110 yeah. million for that game. However, the, they they did have it in Miami and in Kansas City. They had it on their local NBC stations in those two markets.
4: Yep. And the calculus, obviously, is, you know, is there enough leverage there to get enough people to spend $6 on the game to make, you know, a $110 million investment? What was interesting and where... Um, Miami was like unfairly, like, sort of like, it, this worked out poorly for Miami. Is they played the last game Sunday night against Buffalo. Obviously, they lost. They had to go on the road. And basically, to make this investment worthwhile, NBC had to get like an, a marquee team and a marquee name, which is obviously Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And that's why Miami, had they played, let's say, Buffalo, um, or they could have been, you know, at Houston. They would have played Sunday or Monday. The league certainly would have helped and, and made it a more equitable, you know, sort of situation where they didn't have to play in six days. But since, you know, they wound up having played Kansas City and they were trying to make this $110 million investment worth it, Miami had to go on the road on a short week, which is obviously, you know, I'm not saying they would have won the game, but that's not a, a really fair result for the Dolphins.
1: No. Um, how, how did the
4: numbers shake out? I didn't. I haven't checked because I didn't. I, I
1: have not. I have not seen the numbers. Imani, uh, by the way. Yes. Amari, that's have...
4: amazing. What, was that a Taylor Swift reference? <laughs> what was that? No. What? What did I say? Shake out. You know, shake it out.
1: Shake it
3: out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're more um, up on the Taylor than I am, but uh, but yeah, it, it might have been. Yeah, no, I did. I did it on purpose. It's, you know, I'm just.
1: <laughs> um, we I'll have Tom, <laughs> we have Tom and Joe who are producing the show today, gentlemen. If, if, if you could maybe research that, uh, I know you guys are really busy back there, but uh, if you could research and let us know uh, what what those numbers were, we would greatly appreciate it. Let's go to Ira calling in from Staten Island. Ira, welcome in.
5: Hey, good morning, everybody. And you know, last night with the Peacock was definitely a precursor or what's to come. And you know, within a couple of years, there's going to be pay per view for except for your local games to so watch NFL games. This was a trial run, and uh,
3: hope it it's happen. always
5: about it's always about the money. It's very sad that they're ruining it. But uh, just getting to the coaching carousel, you know, Mike, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> you can't comment, but, boy, would I love to roll it back with you as a general manager, and if Belichick wants to relinquish control of that, just coach, uh, I think that would be a great uh, way to try to maximize the year or two at Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, as for Belichick, yeah, he, he's going to go definitely go to a team, and it's not going to be the Jets, but he's definitely going to a team that's um, going to have a quarterback in place. And, you know, if I'm Woody Johnson, if I'm looking in the mirror, and I know it's probably never going to happen, as a man to himself, you know he's saying, do I have a better chance the next year, year or two winning the Super Bowl with Bill Belichick and Aaron Rodgers than I do with my current staff? And, you know, unfortunately it's not going to happen, but uh, if I owned the team, I turn every stone and try to make anything possible to talk this guy into coming to New York.
3: Oh, I want to see Bill Belichick and Aaron Rodgers trying to get along. That would be oof. That'd be, be pay per view right there. I'd want to see. I want to see Hard Knocks. Then, yeah. <laughs> that will.
1: That will. How do you think that would that would work, Mike? Do you think you know Bill Belichick better than anyone uh, on this show? How how do you think Bill Belichick would would jive with uh with Aaron Rodgers?
4: Aaron, I I, <laughs> I actually um, I actually think it would work well. Coach Belichick really respects people that put the time in and are smart. And you know, we didn't get to see this part of Aaron Rodgers this year, obviously because of the injury. But he's incredibly smart, insightful. His post game press conferences are like a good insight into you know the attention to detail and his preparation i actually think if we got through all the noise and trust me there's a ton of noise there with aaron as we saw this week Mm -hmm. um they would actually get along great so you know i don't think it'll ever happen in a million years i don't think he'd ever you know coach the jets but it's really it's it's a great discussion and uh just real quick i do want to wish a uh happy 21st birthday to one of our most loyal uh fans emily from new jersey she listens each and every week, Anita. She's a big fan of yours. I know she's Aww. listening now. She's turning 21. Maybe she'll have some Tully Irish whiskey. I just want to wish her a very happy birthday.
1: <laughs> that's right. very nice. Um, responsibly. That's, that's so nice. Um, <laughs> some, some other news in regard to the coaching carousel. I'm just going to rattle off uh, what the latest is and would love for you two gentlemen to comment. Uh, for the Raiders, it looks like, I think, and, and I would, uh, hire Antonio Pierce, um, I love what we saw when he took over 45 years old. He did interview with the Tennessee Titans, but also some speculation with Jim Harbaugh and curious to get your guys thoughts. If you think he's going to leave Michigan, Uh, Las Vegas, they're saying could be a potential landing place for him as well. The Patriots, uh, no Bill Belichick, Uh, Jared Mayo now steps up as the head coach. And there's some talk and speculation that he's going to bring Josh McDaniels back as the OC Pete Carroll out in Seattle. Pleaded his case to stay, but now, um, of course, will be a part of the fun office, not on the sideline. Dan Quinn's name has been associated with Seattle. We'll see what happens there. We talked about Washington, Ron Rivera out. They've got the number two pick, so they could land Caleb Williams or Drake May. Great ownership group. Is that a place that Bill Belichick lands? Time will tell. Justin Herbert... Uh, looking for a new head coach as well in L.A. I think if Harbs is out in Michigan, to me, I think that would be the best landing place for him. Atlanta's looking for a head coach. Again, Bill Belichick's name has been associated with them. Tennessee, bad offensive line. I'm not sold on Will Levis. I think that's the least appealing job. But Vrabel is out there and available for a head coaching position and uh, as well as in Carolina. Um, and again, Bill Belichick's name has been associated with the Carolina Panthers as well. So, um, you know, based on, based on the coaching carousel, anything that you do anticipate happening, Amani? Uh,
3: I, I think Bill Belichick is going to take a strong look and take his, uh, his talents to Los Angeles because I think that one of the most talented young quarterbacks um, is with the Chargers, and he is just ripe for some direction. And if he can replicate half of what he did with Tom Brady, um you know with um, his name is slipping my mind he's my Justin favorite Herbert? Part. Yeah, Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think that that is a place where he can feel real comfortable really quickly. I think that's a team that's ready made to win with all the talent that they have. Um, and you know they need him because like I said before they're they're trying to look for relevancy in LA. What better way to to uh to change the narrative of what people in LA think of that team, than to have Bill Belichick come in, and people will definitely be interested, more interested than they are now, um, in, in that LA Chargers.
1: Um, Mike, as we know, Bill Belichick, uh, you know, an East Coast guy. His family's here, right? His his son, I would imagine, uh, is is going to stick and and continue to, to to help coach this team. I don't know. Maybe his son follows him. He's got you know ties to Navy. And, uh, and what's going on in, in Baltimore over there. Do you see Bill Belichick on the West Coast?
4: It's a great point. You know, it's interesting because um, he grew up in uh, the Annapolis area. Exactly. His dad was par- part of the uh, Naval Academy football right. program for over 40 years. He spent a little time with Detroit, but really all of his life has really been besides that stint from Annapolis to the Northeast. He has a place in Nantucket. His daughter is the head coach of um, – the Holy Cross lacrosse team. So, um, Holy Cross is in central Massachusetts. So, um, could he go out to LA? Yeah, of course. But I do think Atlanta and Washington geographically makes a ton of sense. And one mm-hmm. well, think about Bill B that people forget, like he's going to be 72. He's a grandfather. He's a great human being. Like, you know, that's the part that like people will never understand. Like he never felt like part of his job description was to have a relationship with the media, but you know, there was another side of him—a a, a deeply caring, nurturing, empathetic guy. I mean, when he hired me, I was in debt. I had just graduated law school. And he's like, "Hey, just come. You know, you're gonna get paid three hundred dollars a week, but we'll we'll figure it out. Just work hard, and you know, we're just looking for good young people to. And you know, like there were six head coaches, including Nick Saban and Kirk Ferentz. There were eight general managers, including Scott Pioli, Thomas Dimitrov, who went on to be a great GM in the league, guys. He was the groundskeeper in Cleveland. So um, I just have a lot of empathy and a lot of, like, gratitude to, like, what not only Coach Belichick did for me, but for other countless young people who were just trying to get their foot in the door. And and he gave a lot of us, you know, our first meaningful opportunity. You're listening to
0: Anita Marks on 98.7. ESPN.
1: You're listening to New York Game Day. It's time for Amani's keys to the game for game number two later on this evening. 8:20 is kickoff. The Rams in Detroit, the Motor City indoors. Neither of the Both these games are indoors, so neither of them have to worry about these horrible weather conditions. Uh, the Detroit Lions are favored by three. The over-under is 52. The big storyline here, obviously, is uh, the Rams said, hasta la vista, salary dump for golf, sending him to Detroit. He goes to Detroit and finds success. Uh, Stafford goes to the Rams, wins the Super Bowl. Now Stafford coming back home to Detroit to try to play spoiler to a very good season, one of the best seasons we've seen the Detroit Lions organization have in quite a while. Uh, with that being said, Amani, what are your keys to victory for both the Rams and the Detroit Lions? What do each team need to do well in order to win tonight?
3: Well, I think it's going to have to be, most games like of this nature, teams are pretty much evenly matched. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, history between Matthew Stafford and, and, uh, and with the Rams, I mean, with the, with the Lions, and there's a lot of history between Jared Goff and the Rams who drafted him first overall, um, you know, a couple, 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 se- couple short seasons ago. Uh, when I look at this team, I, I really look at how uh, complete of a team this Detroit Lions team is, you know, the, with Jamar Gibbs, Jamison Williams, um, Jared Goff, I mean, this team is playing very good football. Amon Ross, St. Brown. Um, I, Brad Holmes, the general manager, has done a great job in terms of getting this team a lot of talent. Uh, a lot of people gave up on Jared Goff uh, once he left the Rams. But, you know, Dan Campbell's done a great job of turning around the, or, or the image of what this team could possibly be. But there is a lot that they're going to have to overcome. Their last win in the playoffs Was in 1992. I was still in high school back then, and before that, in in, in six decades, they've won one playoff game. So this is a team that's due. This is a team that needs a uh, January 5th to be to be exact, 1992. But this is a team that needs this win, not just for um, you know to move along in the playoffs, but they need this win. Because they need relevance. They've played a great season. They've, uh, they've turned the tide. They've been a, they're a top seed in, this, in the playoffs. But they need to figure out a way to overcome this hot Rams team who started the season 3-6 and six before bouncing back. And now they're, you know, they're one of the hottest teams in football. But, and they've been playing playoff football for the last, I don't know, five, six weeks because if they lost, they would essentially get knocked out of the playoffs. So this is not going to be anything new for them. Uh, I think the Detroit Lions, you know, after that questionable call losing to the Dallas Cowboys, losing out on the number two seed, I think that they are going to be uh, in, in a position to where um, they, they are playing a very, very tough team in the Rams that uh, that has some great players in Nakua, Cooper Cup, and Aaron Donald. How does this Detroit Lions team corral that, that Aaron Donald and are able? Because, you know, this team wants to put in the two tight ends the Detroit lions want to put in the two tight ends and run the football down the Rams throat, but they got that Aaron Donald guy and he, how do they handle him is how this team goes. Most of these games are won on the line of scrimmage. And we're going to see who's going to be the big bully in Detroit this
4: weekend.
1: You know, Mike, you know, I'm sorry, Mike, go ahead.
4: Yeah. I was just going to add that. That was a really good job by Yamani. You, you could hear the university of Michigan education, just oozing <laughs> out of that analysis. So that, that was good to hear. But, uh, in all seriousness, like, if the three of us were talking next Sunday and we said, wow, there's this one team that's, like, under the radar but could get to the Super Bowl, like, I think it's the Rams guys. Mm-hmm. for Like, part of what Amani said, but, you know, Anita, like, they could score and they could rush the passer. And if you could do those two things in the playoffs, like, you never know what could happen.
3: Yeah. You yeah. you a quarterback I, so- with a live arm like they got Stafford, he can get hot and you could just cancel Christmas. Or Jared Goff can do the same. Or – you know, um, you know, one of the one of these younger players on, on the Rams, on the on the the on the Lions, you know, um Jameson, Winston, you know, they, they, they could take over, too. So this is this is a young Jamar Gibbs, uh, Sam Laporte, who was injured, but see if he's going to play this weekend. Um, but, yeah, it this is there's a lot of young players with a lot to prove. And that's what makes this game so exciting, because you're going to see the future of the league and some of these guys are going to emerge as the future stars.
1: So, so Mike, I, I want to ask you this before we take our our next break. We're going to come back. I'll have my locks of the week. Uh, hour three, we'll have um, Mike's bomb of the week. Rich Samini is going to join us to talk about the Jets and what they're going to do this off season. Um, this was supposed to be, in my opinion, right. The Rams pretty much sold their soul to the devil to to, to win a Super Bowl, in which they did. Um, and this was going to be a rebound, like a rebuilding year. Like you know, first of, first of all thoughts on Puka, who who, who really has. Uh, been the silver lining here offensively, especially when Cooper cup had so many games that he was inactive because he was dealing with injuries. Uh, Your, your thoughts, you know, where do you give credit? You got to give credit where credits due. Where are you giving credit in regard to uh, this Rams team and, and, and especially how they, they ended the season so strong.
4: Yeah. Anita, I would make it a little bit bigger than the team. It's the organization, you know, like again, like been very disappointed to watch, you know, these New York teams this year and the excuses that came out of their buildings the Rams are another great example of no excuses, less said, more talk. And they rebuilt on the fly, and they deserve so much credit, Anita. You know, you you talk about Puka Nakua, and that's a great place to start. But how about Kyrie Williams, fifth-round pick. Steve mm-hmm. Avila, a second-round pick
1: mm-hmm. on
4: offense. They've changed their scheme a little bit. They've gone a little bit heavier. Like, Avila is a little bit of a thicker guy. They run a lot of duo inside sort of like – power you know they're not as much of that outside zone team like they, they go a little bit more downhill but on the other side of ball guys how about kobe turner third round pick from wake forest byron young third round pick um you know on the back end they, they rented othello witherspoon for a year you know they're getting production out of kobe duran a fourth round pick a year ago so to me like that's great drafting and that's incredible coaching that is problem solving coaching Here's what we do have. Let's not focus on what we don't have. Like, here's a name most people, like, just don't, you know, Michael Hoyt. Outside linebacker my back, from Brown University. Guy's playing really good football. He's 6'4", 310 pounds, great athlete. Like, he's he's been productive for them. And what I love about watching the Rams is, like, they just, as you said, put all the chips in the middle of the table, won a Super Bowl, and now they're rebuilding. And guess what? They're right back because they're playing with young players. They got great coaches and they deserve a ton of credit. Robert
6: Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing, and creative